Welcome to Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius, your source for horror, sci-fi, suspense, and all things violent. Thank you guys so much for joining me today on Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius. As you can probably hear from my voice, I am sick. My first time with COVID. So, it also goes hand in hand with what I was talking about last week, Wednesday morning, my coach Wes asked me if I thought I might want to compete. He mentioned there was one on Saturday. I ended up doing it. <clears throat> I was disappointed. Originally, I was disappointed in my performance and just in the mental part of it. Just the fact that I had so much, there were so many nerves. Even though I was trying to deny it, as a two and a half hour drive there, my wife found out who I was supposed to go against, a black belt, and watched some film on him and thought, you know, came up with a game plan. She's telling me, Oh yeah, just do this and you'll be, and you'll get them no problem. So I had that in my mind, but at the very last second, the coach runs up. He's like, Hey, my black belt's not coming, but this young, I don't know, the guy's maybe about 20 ish. It's hard for me to tell age, but yeah, I can be his grandpa fuck, but he's a blue belt and he was smaller than me. And I think he had just done a match or two. He's all sweaty. So they asked if we wanted to go against him. And I said, yeah, I said, why not? And I got cracked with a hard elbow. It wasn't intentional at all, of course, but I just had this huge adrenaline dump and I was lucky to beat him. I got him in a head arm choke. He's a great competitor. So I was disappointed in myself for that, even though, fuck, I should be proud. I should be proud that I was one of the oldest guys on the mat. There probably weren't too many guys, especially in Gi, that were older than me. So, and having an injury and all that. So, and getting on the mat with, you know, the, the anxiety and all that stuff. So, yeah, uh, second match, I went against a guy from 10 Planet Freaks. When I saw that, I was like, oh, shit. Uh, Sean Arts, I believe his name. Uh, really nice guy. I've trained at 10 Planet San Diego before, and those dudes trained hard. Boogie and those guys just go after it. So I knew he was going to be very good. He was a purple belt, very skilled, in shape, and he kicked my butt. But good job, Sean. That was an awesome match. We had a cool talk afterwards. It just goes to show how egotistical we can be, how <clears throat> I went in there thinking, like, I should win this match. You know, if I perform like I can, then I should win this match. It's like, well, he's thinking that same exact thing. So I just put a lot of extra pressure on myself because of that and uh, some other stuff. But it was awesome. It was a cool event. My coach, Wes, he won both of his matches. So he got the belt, which is awesome. Congrats. And Dylan, he was a white belt. I believe he's only 19. Awesome dude. So dedicated to the sport. It's crazy to see. He drives to the, the 6 a.m. class and other classes uh, all the way from Huntington Beach. So it was awesome to see him really perform. I believe he choked out two guys, one completely. And another match was a very, very close decision. I think he lost on points. So it was a great experience for all of us. But when I got home that night, after another two and a half hours in the car or however long, I was like, oh, shit. So I did this competition to get rid of this kind of depression that was building up around the, I don't know if it was because of the release of the book or what, of Death Best that came out last week. But I was definitely feeling that kind of negative energy. And so I threw myself into jujitsu to, to deal with it. Because like, okay, I'm not going to be depressed if I'm worried about getting my ass kicked on Saturday. So... So that's what I did there. But then after Saturday, I was like, oh, well, the competition's gone, but the depression is still there. Fortunately, it wasn't too bad. But by the next day, I think I was feeling pretty good.
but because I had trained so much, I did, uh, I think it was like four or five workouts between like Wednesday and Saturday. I didn't go to open mat on Sunday and, um, yeah, my jaw was out a little bit. So I didn't train Sunday. I believe I went Monday morning. That was awesome. Excited to be back. Wednesday morning, I wake up at five o'clock, but I had a terrible night's sleep. I just felt awful, uh, like chills and everything. I wasn't sure how I was feeling in the morning because part of me is like, wait, am I trying to just bitch out right now and not go to class by saying that I might be sick? But I really, I, I figured, I was like, no, I'm not going to risk it. Uh, and then I took a test later that morning and I had COVID. So I'm super glad that I did not go to um, go to train. I would have probably just spread that shit. And the time lines up to where I was like, yeah, I probably got a nog. I actually was thinking about that when I went into the building. I was like, fuck, there's a lot of people here. And we're just sharing sweat and everything else. But whatever. Uh, it doesn't matter where I got it. It doesn't matter any of that stuff. Right now, it's not bad. My fucking throat sucks. And the chills aren't that much fun. But I don't mind staying down here in my little cave and working. I even slept down here last night. Because I also have Xbox down here. So I was able to play, was it Starfield? Not sure how I'm feeling about that game. But what I did was I just reset this Xbox to German. So all the instructions, everything on the screen is in German. It's teaching me how limited my knowledge is. But I was like, that'd be cool. It's a way for me to play a game and work my mind. So I'm doing that. And yeah, just got a lot of work done. Going to be finishing up back at Grandma's house today. Also going to be working on the interiors for all the Try Not To Dies. So I finally, man, anyone watching this will probably be like, oh, you dumb shit. But yes, I can be a dumb shit. Anyhow, I kept having ads rejected for Try Not To Die. And it was only certain ones like Try Not To Die in the Pandemic, Try Not To Die, I believe Grandma's House, sometimes Ghostland. So occasionally Amazon will say, oh, we can't carry this one because it's violent or has, you know, weapons on it or whatever else. And they did that with death vessels. Like there are no weapons on here. Like there's fire. You probably can't see it because of green screen, but there's fire on it. But then I was looking at the logo. I was like, oh shit, there's three knives in it. Uh, there's the fucking bloody ax. I was like, so I had been considering dropping the logo, but now it's uh, for sure done deal. They'll be done in time for the book fair in Frankfurt. That's fuck. That's coming up quick. Nico and I, my German co-author of the Try Not to Die, we're setting out there. He's excited. He actually took off work, so it'll be super cool to have him there to help me with the booth. Takes off a lot of pressure. He's a great salesman, and he's a lot of fun. So I think that should be really cool having him there. I don't know if I mentioned it last week, but my daughter is not able to go with me now. I was bummed a little bit, but I was over already prepared we had told her that if it was going to interfere with her school too much or especially this play that she just got in she just got a role in the play drama means a lot to her I'm like no you don't have to go it's like you probably want to have that much fun anyhow and the cool thing that you know she had already given me what i wanted by just saying that she was going to go so that was enough just her desire to go and hang out in germany so <clears throat> i will be going on my own i just saw that there is a concert like an hour and a half away from the book fair i don't know whether or not i'm going to go to it or not but i really would like to that's uh hamilton it's one of the bands i listen to a lot very cool band that's a far trip to a concert especially when i got to be back early the next morning to uh, run the booth all day so gonna look into it gotta figure that out but if i could pull that off i will i bet there's a bunch of other shit going on but man 
I'm not feeling that good. So I'm definitely not going to read today. My throat is killing me. So you guys will get a short story. This one is going to be from Somber Stroll. We're going to go with Ultimate Wish because I got to miss a goddamn concert because of COVID. Probably, right? I don't know I can, how long I'm going to be sick or how terrible it will be. Hopefully it's not going to be bad. But I have a concert on Sunday, Machine Head Testament, and Fear Factory. I'd like to see all three of those bands. It's at the House of Blues. It's going to be a cool show, Metal Injection Festival. Now being sick, probably not going. So, uh, But in this short story, Ultimate Wish, there's a concert. It's not metal like, uh, like it should be, like all good music is. But I hope you guys will enjoy it. Oh, and before I forget, uh, the book of the week that's free on Amazon. So if you're Kindle Unlimited, this book, 25 Perfect Days plus five more, you can pick it up for free. Yeah, it's a, hopefully I'm going to do the Try Not to Die in 25 Perfect Days. We already plotted it out. I love the world. I think this new Try Not to Die world would be really cool to show. It's going to show a whole new side of it. But, man, don't know when that's going to happen. And so I will leave it alone for now. But you guys can enjoy this book. 25 Perfect Days plus five more. Check that out. And I hope you guys enjoy from Somber Stroll. This is Ultimate Wish narrated by T. Kroll. All right, guys. Thanks so much for checking it out. I will talk to you later. Peace. Ultimate Wish. I might be a bit old for a DJ, but the board members seated behind the tables still listen to their music on vinyl. I've been committed to this event for the past month, but not even I knew who the special singer would be. Just that it'd be someone on the Billboard's top ten. I said, I'm honored to have been selected for this, I really am, and given away all the tickets to students, that's something else. Northwood. The bony old man in the middle dismissed me with a wave of skeletal fingers. The pleasure is ours. You're helping a young girl's dream come true. A sound check buzzed beneath my feet. I said, I have to admit, I really don't get it, though. Past winners had been flown around the world, performed death-defying stunts, and enjoyed every extravagant thing they could imagine. One young boy would have gone to the moon if they hadn't died two days before countdown. All she wants is a show? Garrett, the youngest of the group, yet older than my mother, cleared her throat. A live performance televised across the world. At the other end of the table was Burlington, with his shiny dome surrounded by wisps of white hair. He wagged his finger at my chest and said, And with you as the host... Northwood revealed the special guest. I couldn't stifle my sigh. Are you serious? Northwood shrugged. He is the one that she requested, very specifically. How much did his record company donate? Burlington said. Neither Mr. Carter nor anyone affiliated with him in any way has contributed to our cause. This is the kind of once-in-a-lifetime exposure that money can't buy. Have any of you even heard this guy sing? No, I'm afraid I don't keep up with the younger generation's music. Northwood templed his fingers and cracked a small smile. But I am told you play Mr. Carter quite regularly. 
I don't touch the programming, Garrett said. Well, Miss Carey wants Mr. Carter up on that stage, so that's what we're going to give her. Of course, I said, sorry for the fuss. Is there anything special you would like me to do or say? Anything I have to plug? Northwood said. No, just understand what a special moment you're giving her. I meant it when I said, I'll do my best. Garrett made a production of studying her gold watch. The show starts in an hour, so you will probably want to head over to wardrobe soon. I'd only done a handful of live shows, and all of those I'd been fully prepared. I asked if I meet the girl and Carter before we got started. Garrett said, By all means. Carrie is with her parents in the room next to this one. Northwood said, Normally we would have put her in the suite, but Mr. Carter was very adamant that he be given the nicest room. What a scumbag. Burlington raised his finger like he was going to scold me. This little girl was deemed worthy of all the contestants. We base this not on her wish, but on her. It's not up to us or you or anyone else to decide whether her use of the wish is wise. She made her choice, and it is up to us to fulfill it. It was like the third grade all over, wearing the dunce cap in the corner. Burlington waited until I held his gaze. That won't be a problem, will it? I promised that it wouldn't, and headed to the next room, curious to meet the little girl who wished for Brian Too Cute Carter, the girl who was dying. I was worried about the performer while she was counting breaths. I put on the brakes before I went too deep and thought of my niece, how a car crash took her at ten. I took a deep breath, blew it out, and prayed I'd say the right things. A huge man answered my knock, his flannel shirt filling the doorway, a thick brown beard hiding his neck. I acted like I didn't see the fifth of Jack and reached out to shake his free hand. You must be Carrie's father. He looked at me through glassy eyes, dark circles smudged beneath them. Can I help you? I left my hand out. Skip Scranton. I'll be making the presentation tonight. His eyes grew brighter and his hand swallowed mine, pumped it three times. Frank Weaver. Carrie loves you. The sweat was slick between his palms, but I didn't pull away. I'm honored. Truly. I thought maybe you were one of the wish people. Frank released his trap, wiped his hand on his jeans. You know what I would wish for? I had a pretty good idea, but shook my head. I'd tell them to let me get my hands on that goddamn cancer. I'd wish for... From inside the room, a woman said, Frank, you stop that and let in Mr. Scranton. Frank stepped aside so I could squeeze into the small room that consisted of one mirror, a chair, and a couch. Carrie's frail body curled up on the cushion, her head nuzzled on her mother's lap so I couldn't see her face, her wheelchair folded in the corner. Mrs. Weaver looked like her daily dose might be off, her eyes somewhere else, her hands running through her daughter's unnaturally bright red hair. I lowered my voice and nodded at Carrie. So, this is the lucky lady, I said, wanting to kick myself for not using a better word. Frank smiled. 
1,242 entrants, and they picked her. That's something, isn't it? I didn't know a thing about her, but I said, I'll say. How sad my time finding out about her would be less than five minutes. She must be pretty special. Yeah, my little girl's getting her ultimate wish. Frank took a quick swig from the bottle and grimaced it down. And here we are in good old California. Not a big fan, huh? California's fine. It's just we've been here before, and the flight from Portland was only a half an hour. We had our own private jet, and she slept through it. Mrs. Weaver's eyes were back, pinned on her husband. In a harsh whisper, she said, Frank, cut it. He took another gulp and set the bottle on the floor. Could have had anything she wanted. I don't care about the materialistic stuff. Just want her to experience something different, something fun, something she'll remember. Frank, you stop that right now. It's her wish. Mrs. Weaver's hands kept running through Carrie's wig. We don't have to agree with it, but it's what she wanted, and it's what she's getting. Frank softened up and said, I know. I motioned at Carrie and asked if she would be up for the show. Are you kidding? She wouldn't miss it for the world. Is she able to talk? Would she mind answering a few questions when I bring her up? Tiny squeak came from the couch. There's poop poop in the woods. Saying it sweet so everyone knew she wasn't serious, Mrs. Weaver said, Now, now, young lady. Carrie turned over, the face of an angel. An angel at the end of a brutal battle she wouldn't win. She said, At least I didn't use the word Dad always uses. I knelt beside the couch and took her hand. Hi, sweetheart. I just wanted to meet you before the show started and tell you... How great it made me feel to have you pick me as the presenter. I'm so honored. Although it looked like it required a great deal of effort, Carrie smiled. That's so cool. She sounded half asleep, her eyes struggling to stay open. I love your voice. In the hospital bed, I just close my eyes and listen to you. You make me happy. Make me forget my pain. Thank you for sharing that. I wiped at my eye, told myself to get it together. This was a happy day. No time for tears. I'm glad it helped. Carrie's eyelids slid shut. Daddy, I'm thirsty. Frank opened the blue cooler and popped the top on a tall energy drink. Here you go, honey. I got out of the way while Carrie's mom helped her sip from the can. Frank rubbed Carrie's hair, the wig gliding under his giant hand. My girl can have anything she wants. Today's a testament to that. Obviously not everything, but at least she'd have this wish fulfilled. I said a quick goodbye and told Carrie I'd see her on stage. She said she couldn't wait. Carter's suite was at the end of the hallway. No one answered the first knock, so I did it again. Josh Johnstone, Carter's best friend and guitar player, opened the door. What you want? A friend who would pay me an outrageous amount of money to play the same three chords over and over would be nice. 
but I kept things simple. I'll be introducing you guys tonight. Is Mr. Carter in? Josh pointed to the couch beside him. You can wait if you want. I stepped over a wadded-up t-shirt, ravaged fruit basket, a broken picture frame, only to discover that there was nowhere to sit. Liquor bottles, soda cans, an empty baggie with a white residue, most certainly not sugar, covered the leather cushions. Looks like I missed one hell of a party. Nah, man, that's gonna be after the show. We'll get someone to clean all this crap up before then. The bedroom door opened, and a shirtless Brian Carter walked into the room, buttoning his jeans. Barely glancing at me, he grabbed a box of chocolates, inspected it, and then let the box fall to the floor. I picked up a barely touched box off the couch. There's some in this one. Carter pulled out a swirly truffle, left me holding the box. All about knowing what you like and sticking with it. He tossed the chocolate into his mouth and nudged Josh's shoulder. Speaking of which, want to do some sticking? A gorgeous blonde strolled out of the bedroom, a leather jacket draped over her shoulder. She walked past Carter and brushed her hand across his back. Sorry, Brian, but we had a deal. She sounded just as sexy as she looked when she draped the jacket over the bar stool and said, There's only one of these, and you're wearing it. Blondie was barely out the door when Carter told Josh, Sorry, bro. Don't trip, though. She wasn't all that great. He was full of shit. I'd attended more than enough Hollywood parties to know a pro when I see one, and I guarantee Blondie hadn't come cheap. Carter turned to me. So, you the presenter? That's me, Skip Scranton. Oh, I know who you are, Carter said. The way he said it almost sounded like a threat. I ignored it and said, Is there anything special you'd like me to say when I bring you out? Carter kept with his stupid smirk. Yeah, tell him I'll be granting wishes back here after the show. Ladies only, of course. I faked a laugh. <laughs> I'm not too sure that'd go over on live TV. Maybe something a little more PC would work. <laughs> relax, man. I'm just screwing with you. Just tell them the man of their dreams is about to play the number one hit they've all been dying to hear. I didn't say a word, but I guess my face showed plenty. Carter said, Now what's wrong? Just the choice of words. Josh said, Dude, the girl, the one we're playing for. What about her? Is she retarded? I don't have a problem with them, but they kind of creep me out. I kept my cool, told him, no, Carrie was not retarded. Good. Because I did this one charity deal where this big lug climbed all over me, wouldn't let me go, and he got his nasty drool all over my favorite shirt, had to throw it out, made it smell like fish. I searched the heartthrob's baby blues, hoped I'd catch a glimpse of goodness. She's dying. Oh, that sucks. Carter walked over to the thick leather jacket and slipped it on, staring at himself in the mirror, flexing his chest and stomach. He said, But really, aren't we all? Most of us aren't eleven knowing we won't see twelve. Carter stopped posing and looked right at me. 
I saw on HBO. I heard what you said about me. I'd forgotten all about that panel. How I'd run my mouth a little much. I don't remember what I said, but whatever it was, it was just my opinion. No more important than anyone else's. Are you done? Carter asked. Because if you are, you should probably go down to your precious girl's room and tell her that I won't be playing tonight. Why would you do that? Because I can. It had to be a bluff. I asked, Is that the kind of publicity you want? I'll tell them my throat's strained and that I'm also sorry. I will donate a portion of the next month's sales to a scholarship in her name. Josh grinned. That ain't a bad idea. We'll skyrocket. And to show them how much I care, I'll tell them I'll sing for her as soon as I'm better. I said, she'll probably be dead in two weeks. Then you better go out there and tell the world just how good my record is and what a swell guy I am. Carrie deserved better than this jerk. But she also deserved to have her wish granted. I wouldn't be the one to take it away. I promised Carter I'd do what he said. Between makeup and wardrobe, the next hour sped by. Backstage, I walked through my vocal exercises, doing deep breathing, figuring out the best possible way to phrase things. I ignored the sound of the building crowd on the other side of the curtain, all those little girls dying to see a star. The loudspeaker announced my name. Time to get this show started. I walked to the mic in the middle of the stage to a roar of applause. The crowd on their feet, the entire auditorium packed. I waved for everyone to calm down and glanced stage right. Three board members and Blondie were standing next to Carrie and her parents. Carrie was upright in her wheelchair, wearing a beautiful red dress, the same shade as her wig. Northwood bent down beside her and handed Carrie a gold package just big enough to be a jewelry box. He turned to me and motioned for me to proceed. With the crowd's full attention, I introduced myself and thanked everyone for coming out on such short notice. But this special event wouldn't be happening if it weren't for one very special girl. Tonight we're celebrating Carrie Weaver. Let's give her a warm welcome. A huge thank you for making this happen and letting us all be part of her ultimate wish. I motioned for Carrie to join me. The cue for the curtains to part and reveal the massive screen. The applause was tremendous as Carrie wheeled herself over, looking every bit the excited eighth grader, blue eyeshadow and red lipstick, and those shiny white teeth sparkling. The exercise had winded Carrie, but she kept up the smile and waved hello to the crowd. Carrie's video filled the giant screen behind us. I wheeled Carrie around and rested my hand on her thin shoulder, watched her ten-year rise and one-year fall. The video ended, and I wheeled us around. The auditorium was silent, except for some muffled sobs. No one yelling for the act. I gave myself three beats before I attempted to talk. So, Carrie, the question everyone wants to know. Why did you wish for tonight's extra special guest? It had to be him. Carrie passed the gold present back and forth between her hands. I've been in the hospital for the last six months. 
and I heard this song every day. His voice stuck in my head, playing over and over all day long. I just had to see him perform it in person. The crowd of young girls screamed their approval. I didn't ask Carrie if she knew the song was a remake of a song as old as her dad. I simply said I was honored to be part of her wish, and then wheeled her over to a spot at the edge of the stage. The screen began to rise, and I turned to the crowd. Here's the moment Carrie and the rest of you have been looking forward to. Playing his number one hit, Died in Your Arms, for the first time live. Here is Carter. Johnston took his spot near the back of the stage while Carter sauntered out in his blue jeans, cowboy boots, and leather jacket. Walked out like he was too cool to be there. Didn't even look our way. Didn't say a word. Just went right into the song. I shouldn't have been surprised Carter was lip-syncing and doing a terrible job of it. He was too busy playing the audience, but never turning to Carrie. She didn't seem to mind. Her smile was still there. All her focus on her idol. The final stanza began, and Carter returned to the spotlight at the center of the stage. Running one hand through his hair, holding the microphone high with his other to block his lips, Carter started the last line. A giant blast knocked me to my knees, blanking out my sight and sound. A light rain on my face. My ears were ringing, the blackness fading. I looked toward the stage. Screams filled the stadium as the smoke cleared. Carter's legs lay on the stage, his upper body nowhere to be seen, a river of red pumping from his shredded torso. I used my upper sleeve to wipe the gore from my face and slipped on the slick floor trying to get around the wheelchair. Carrie was in shock, her bright white teeth gleaming through all that red. Her presence gold wrapping crumbled on her lap. I couldn't tell if she was registering the mess in the middle of the stage, but positioned myself to block her view. I held both her hands and said, I'm so sorry, sweetie. Don't look. Close your eyes. Carrie laid her beautiful brown eyes on me. Why? It was perfect. She pressed a small remote into my hands. Wishes do come true. 